We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Gang's all here. Matthew, hi. Hello. Hi. How are you, Kent? I'm phenomenal if you would stop messing with the rundown. Sorry, this uh, is my... <laughs> this is this is not me. You have given you have given access to one devious other person who's also here with us. So Craig, I'm introducing you, but with a question, with a very important question. Yeah. Do you know how many more days until your hair is ready to be cut? Exactly <laughs> on the nose. I mean, honestly, uh, one, one to take care of this up here. So, I mean, as much as we've teased our good pal, technically I do know how many days I need to go every time before I cut my hair. Is it, is it 35? It's not 35. It's not as exact. 35 and two thirds. Uh, It's not as exact as maybe some of the other people on this podcast, but um, yeah, look, (laughs) <laughs> you, got, you got business to get to you gotta the just skip least, over this and just take it the uh, least I, surprising thing in the world that we found out <laughs> it's not as but also the best it's not as strict as you guys are making it out to be mm-hmm. i just have a i pre-bought a year's worth of haircuts for every five weeks that's all that's all i'm gonna say thanks thanks for everybody hanging out and enduring the uh hate i'm receiving most of you probably are very much enjoying it Please feel free to hit the like button. Please feel free to hit the subscribe button. Uh, Please feel free to leave a five-star review if you are watching. We would appreciate that very much. Would also appreciate you considering donating and entering into the KCSN's Foundation Benefit Raffle. Uh, We have all kinds of great prizes. Travis Kelsey uh, signed full-size helmet, a Dante Hall signed jersey, a Nick Bolton signed mini helmet, a Christian Okoye signed football a KCSN uh, and holiday bourbon uh, 
prize pack. Uh, great prices. Uh, uh, $10 ticket for, uh, or one ticket gets you uh, for $10, seven tickets for $50, 15 tickets, and a gift for $100. You can Venmo at the KC Sports Network with that to enter the raffle. Um, you can go to givebutter.com slash golf and donate there. There's actually also a couple spots uh, for teams available left as well. You're going to have to click the uh, enter raffle button. There's a, there's a place where you can, uh, where you can still uh, enter a team there as well. So appreciate everybody that is, uh, has been participating already. And uh, yeah, there's some really great prizes that you could potentially win again. You know, we got the golf tournament here uh, in three weeks. Cannot wait for that, but uh, we are continuing our season previews this week. Really, we're we're down to it. We only got like two more teams. I think the next week's the last week of this thing, boys. Uh mer- mercifully. Uh <laughs> we timed it out well. You know, we're getting really close to training camp and all that stuff. But today we're gonna be talking about the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs go to Green Bay in December to take on Jordan Love or whoever is quarterbacking that team. What's the quality of the roster, Craig? I mean, it's okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not especially enthused by this roster. There's some pieces that I like. I really was impressed with how Christian Watson came on last year. Um, I, I, I like, you know, some of the offensive line pieces that they've been able to put together and build around Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love. Some of these defensive pieces are fun as well. DeAndre Campbell, Campbell. Didn't have as good of a year as he did the year before, but was still a quality linebacker there. Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. They've got some pieces here. And, oh, yeah, they got, you know, all-chirp leader, Jair Alexander. But, yeah, it, it, there's some holes here, obviously. They got some spots on the offensive line still that need help. The wide receiver room outside of Christian Watson has a lot of questions. They're banking on a lot of young guys to step up. And then, yeah, they're kind of hoping they can replicate what they did on the defensive line to protect kind of the rest of their secondary there. It's got some bigger holes on it than maybe they wanted to. And then obviously the big elephant in the room is Jordan Love coming in here as well. This team is going to go as far as his arm is going to take him. And to this point, there's been more questions than answers about Jordan Love. Yeah, I think the roster's in an interesting spot. It's they're definitely turning over some certain position groups and and like parts of this team, but there's still some veteran presence. So like they might have a pretty good mix of veterans and then young guys trying to take a step forward all at once. Like I do think there is some like cohesiveness, I guess, to how this team is built out right now. Like Craig said, Christian Watson was great last year although I think his usage was relatively limited where he won was very limited. So how much of that was because he was playing with Aaron Rodgers, who was still having a down year, but was still a good quarterback. And will Jordan love be able to match that? And then what does this really young wide receiver group look like with a Jaden Reed and a Romeo dubs and all these guys replacing, replacing Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. Like they just lost a lot of veterans in the receiving room. They lost their long-term quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. They have some turnover of guys that played snaps, but still are kind of changing positions or getting used to playing with each other across the offensive line. I think there's a lot of question marks on this roster, but there's definitely clear talent. The defensive side, I think that they're still looking you know, pretty strong over there. They have playmakers on all three levels, but I wouldn't say 
they are set, you know, from position one through 11 on the depth chart on that, on that defensive side. They don't, I don't know if they have 11 good starters on the defensive end, but the guys at the top, the Kenny Clarks, you know, the Jair Alexanders, uh, Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, like they have good guys at the top. And I think that the depth kind of wanes after that. So I'm intrigued to see how they play out. I think they have enough guys to carry them, but there's a lot of youth that needs to take a step forward. Yeah, and I think that's the case with some of these teams. And it's a good position for them to be as they're trying to figure out Jordan Love and what Jordan Love is. I think on paper, there's some very intriguing players on this roster, both sides of the ball. I think offensively, uh, I think Jordan Love's got a lot of talent around him to to be successful, frankly. I think you know he's got a pretty quality offensive line. Uh, they've even had some depth along that offensive line with guys like Josh Neidman may not even start for them this year, uh, <laughs> depending on what happens with David Bakhtiari. <laughs> Uh, you know, they, they've invested some players, you know, in some high level draft picks, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think they, they've got a good run game, too. And so, like, I really like the talent on paper there on defense. Like, you're right. They've got some they got some blue chips and they got some guys with some upside and ceiling capable of of achieving, you know, more than they have to this point at, at the NFL level. And so I think this is a this is gonna sound I, I think this is still a, a roster that can win win the north that can win the NFC North. I, I really do. I I think they they may they're not necessarily the favorites right now, but if things work out with Jordan Love, like I think this is a group that has the talent to be able to win uh the NFC North. What do we think about the quality of the staff? I actually really like Joe Barry. I like what he done what he's done so far with this defense. Sure, they poured a lot of assets into it, but He's maximized it. Um, I, I actually have really liked the cohesiveness. I've liked the way that they play despite some holes. I feel like they've been better than, you know, the sum of its parts. I have more questions about the offensive side of the football. Um, what we saw out of Matt LaFleur in his first three seasons was great. Like, it really was. I, we, we saw a guy that really got the most out of his quarterback. He had back-to-back MVP years. And then last year... We saw a guy who in the middle of the season went one and seven, you know, really struggled to get his team to get up and get across the line. And how much of the early career success at Green Bay falls at the feet of Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers' relationship? Because they replaced Nathaniel Hackett when he went to the Broncos. Thanks, Packers, for sending him into the division there. But (laughs) with Adam Stinovich, who was the offensive line coach and run game coordinator prior to that. That offense suffered last year. They really struggled at times to put things together. Yes, they went through injuries. Yes, there was a lot of stuff that they were really having to fight through on the offensive side of the football, but it didn't seem cohesive. It didn't seem like a seamless offense that was playing well together. Stinovich is back. LaFleur is obviously still here. What is going to happen with that offense? Are we, if we start to see this season progressing the way that last season did, and this offense isn't playing as good as you would expect them to, even with Jordan Love, is about cohesiveness. It's expected that they'll take a little bit of a step back from Aaron Rodgers. But if they're not playing cohesively, there's a lot of questions all of a sudden that start getting impressed upon Matt LaFleur and what he can actually do as an offensive mind. That's, I mean, that's ultimately where my question lies is how much of the Packers offensive success over the past few years have been Matt LaFleur or have been from other, you know, guys that have come in and out dropping the Tugalicious bomb in there and then dipping to other places where it didn't quite work. Like, 
how much has been the coaching staff and how much was Aaron Rodgers back-to-back MVP years? How much of it was still having Aaron Rodgers last year, but just removing a lot of the steady pieces that were around him and kind of forcing him to do a little bit more, a little bit more new to where there was clear struggles. What does that look like now when you take out this Hall of Fame level, you know, all-time great quarterback? What is it? What is Matt LaFleur's offense? Like the whole offense, not just the scheme, but the rhythm, the pacing, what the concepts are, like what are they going for as an identity? What's that going to look like? I don't think we know that quite as much as we would like to think. He's been, you know, an offensive coach for a while. It's just I don't know if we have a great answer to what his team's offensive identity is going to be. Are they going to lean on the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, you know, two-headed rushing attack more than they have in the past with Aaron Rodgers? Or will they not? And they just, that's not going to be what they do. Like, there's so many questions offensively, and that's, I think, where my mind goes. I have some faith that LeFleur is going to have some good stuff up his sleeves. I just don't know if I'm ready to just, you know, completely believe until we start to see him do it a little bit more without Aaron Rodgers. I think I can't wait for the books that come out about the, <laughs> about the dynamic between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers someday, because I think it's, it's, it's very interesting to navigate the whole Matt LaFleur experience to this point when it comes to all this. And I like, I mean, they, they ran the ball a little bit more for, you know, I think last year, you know, they, they did try to, they did try to turn around and hand the ball off a little bit more uh, last year with Aaron Rodgers in, you know, I, I think you'll see them try to, to lean on the run game a little bit more, honestly, when it comes to, you know, like managing a rookie quarterback or a, not a rookie, but you know, a quarterback that hasn't played a ton of snaps mm-hmm. in his career. But I, I don't know what to think of Matt LaFleur as a coach yet because he has had a superstar quarterback kind of, you know, helping him, you know, and when he wasn't a superstar quarterback, like, like, like last year, things didn't go particularly great. So I think we're going to find out a lot about just this organization as a whole outside of, you know, having a generational quarterback or a, an all world quarterback, because that's all they've known for the last 30 years. Kind of hope Jordan loves stinks. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I want to find out. I would love to, I, I would just, I would like to find out. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Please feel free to hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Please feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes if uh, if you'd like to support. We're breaking down the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about a new addition, Craig. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Love was it. the uh, second-round draft pick for the Green Bay Packers this year. Very smooth you know, natural athlete gets in and out of his breaks really well. Good, you know, fluid hips, really good route runner, just has struggled to stay healthy a little bit. And that's the main question here. I can see how he slots into a Matt LaFleur offense in a big way. I, I, I can see exactly how they can use him, how they can maximize him, how Jordan Love can rely on a tight end like him, especially up the seam. But it's about him staying healthy. This is a it's a little bit of a risky pick. It's a little bit of a boomer bust style pick with Luke Musgrave, but he has super high potential for a tight end in this draft class. I know we were all pretty high on him, but I, I really like the way that he specifically fits into this offense. I think there's a good pick if the medicals check out. Well, okay, so couple things. The Packers, uh, like usual, didn't add a lot of free agents, a lot of high-level free agents to their team. So there's not a lot of free agents <laughs> that you can talk about. You kind of have to focus on rookies. Craig ruined my double dip that I was going to make Kent really bad uh, with, so I'm going to take the other tight end, end yeah, and yeah, Tucker Craft because yeah. I was going to take both of them. Um, so echoing everything Craig said about Luke Musgrave, but I think Tucker Craft is like the sneaky guy that I would probably bet on out snapping Musgrave in year one, because I think he might be a little bit more mm. pro ready. And I kind of alluded to it. I wonder without Rogers and now having Jordan Love with less experience, if they don't lean on this offensive line and they don't lean on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones might be the best player in this entire football team. He just yeah. plays running back. He's and awesome. so I don't know if they won't lean on these running backs a little bit more. And if that's the case, you probably want the better blocking tight end in there, which I think is Tucker Craft. And I think you can maybe do a little bit more with him in terms of creating misdirection, screens, getting the ball in his hands to create yards after the catch. So just, I think he might be able to do a little bit more than Musgrave right away. Not that Musgrave won't be good in the future or better. So I was going to go with both tight ends. So I'll just, you know, put Tucker Craft down for my guy to watch right now, but I'm counting it for a twofer. I guess I'll just we'll just sweep it and add another top 100 pick in Lucas Van Ness. And that's the defensive. You're gonna make me talk about the defensive side. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, I, it worked. It worked, Craig. Our plan worked. Uh -huh. It did. It it really is like just rookies. And I will <laughs> shout out. I will shout out uh, Jake Stack, who has the the Packers wide receiver types literally down to a T. Where to the point that like three of the four receivers that actually fit the profile that he said fit were on the team last year via draft and via undrafted free agency. And then they went and grabbed two more in Dontavian Wicks and Grant DuBose, uh, both wide receivers for the Packers. Anyways, Lucas Van Ness is the first round pick for the Packers. Um, he's the old... I, I'll say this. They had a lot of success going with a Rashawn Gary in the draft a few years ago, a 
maybe not uber productive prospect, but had all these rare physical traits. There's a little bit of that with Lucas Van Ness, maybe not as productive as some of the other pass rushers that have come out in recent memory, but the traits are undeniable. Technically didn't start at Iowa. Everybody knows that story where it's just the Iowa staff doesn't They're weird. The youngsters. They're weird. Uh, they, they also don't believe in offense there. Um, so there's that too. Uh, but Lucas Van Ness, I mean, it's, it's another swing at, at, at a key crucial position. If they're able to hit the same way that they were able to hit with Rashawn Gary, that's big for this for this pass rush. Um, continuing to invest in the defensive line is never a bad thing, and the Packers have absolutely built through the defensive line on that side of the ball with the with the investments that they've made there. Players to watch, Craig. Yeah, I'm going with David Bakhtiari. Uh, it feels like David Bakhtiari is as old as I am. And in truth, he's only 31. He's not that old in offensive line kind of talk. Problem is, he hasn't finished. Younger than Maddie. He, he is younger than Maddie. False. <laughs> he hasn't uh, finished a season the past three seasons. And Me neither. They've really counted on him to be a stabilizing presence on that offensive line. They've done a really good job of shuffling guys around getting more production out of guys that maybe you weren't expecting than you know than they have before but it's not a replacement for the level that David Bakhtiari can play when he's on he is one of the best left tackles in the entire league and we are now looking at an instance where he played 12 games in 2020 one game in 2021 and 11 games last year Jordan Love needs that consistency he needs that veteran presence he needs that guy protecting over there off the left side. He is who I am watching like a hawk because if it's another injury plague season, this could turn south in a hurry for this offensive line. Well, I'm going to do it. I'll pull, I'll pull it. I'm going to go Jordan Love. Um, let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. <laughs> I know I know some Packers fans have gone back and find some found some positives in his game, and I'm not saying they don't exist. Just, boy, I think he had a long, long way to go. Um, from when he was coming out of college. And while there's been flashes in the NFL, his time has been so limited that when he comes in there, our team is really ready for what he's about to do. I know I don't think the moments necessarily look too big for him anytime he's got on the field, but when I watch him, it's just it doesn't seem like he's had great control or command over everything that's happening yet. And it looks like defenses are just kind of trying to not play prevent, but play a little bit safer because they don't know exactly what he has. Now everything's going to be on his shoulders. Teams are going to be getting ready for him. Teams are going to be ready for Jordan Love, whatever that's good, bad, whatever it may bring. Let's just see what he has. He has a ton of talent, great arm. He's still young. Like there's a plenty of good chance that he's a great quarterback in the NFL. We just don't know what it's going to look like right now. I, I, that's where their season's you know going to be won or lost is how well does Jordan Love kind of come along this season. It's a big year for Rashawn Gary. I just got done talking about him, and oh, yeah. he so was. He was in, I know, and staying on the on the pass rush. Uh, he was having a good season. Uh, he had a good season in a limited sample size. So uh, last year, and he's he's had a, you know he's had a good rookie rookie contract. And this is kind of a decisive year for him, and whether you know what kind of decision the Packers are going to be making on him. Uh, he's he's gotten better every year, and some people were kind of questioning the work ethic. The work ethic's been there. The effort's been there. He's been good against the run in the past, and he's definitely developed over the course of the last four seasons. It's a big year for him. He's my player to watch. How does the Green? How do the Green Bay Packers beat the Chiefs? Like, do they? I mean, in an ugly game where the Packers' defensive line 
kind of controls the pace a little bit, doesn't allow the Chiefs offense to get loose. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they're pretty healthy and they just say, hey, we're going to let Aaron Jones touch the ball 35 times this game. I've seen that script before. I know what that script looks like. Even against the Chiefs, I know what that script looks like. It can happen. Like that's that is not outside the realm of possibility for this team to come in here, try and control the uh, control the trenches on both sides of the ball, and find a way to keep Mahomes out of the game a little bit more. I know that it traditionally doesn't work, but for whatever reason, this Packers team we've seen them do it time and time again. We've seen them do a good job of limiting possessions and keeping Mahomes on the sidelines. And when you have a guy like Aaron Jones, and oh, by the way, you can replace him with A.J. Dillon. That's when he gets a breather. Uh, Two bruising guys that can really take over a game. It becomes difficult to kind of keep up with that. So it's uh, the games in Green Bay in December. It's a pretty cold game. Um, not that the Chiefs have necessarily been bad in the cold, but like that can be a really cold, really ugly game. And to Craig's point, you get this offense maybe isn't flowing through the quarterback anymore. Now it's run, I don't know, maybe a little bit more like the San Francisco 49ers kind of run their offense. It's a little bit more run game heavy. It's a little bit more the ball is going to be coming at you a lot. Blockers are going to be attacking you. And then the passing game is centered around play action, trying to attack open space created from the run game. If that's the way they kind of transition this offense a little bit, in December, in a cold game, like, yeah, there is a chance that they just kind of muddy this game up enough that their defense steps up, they slow the Chiefs down this bad, bad weather, they can control the clock, control the tempo with the ball. We haven't seen the Packers be that team yet, right? So there's not a huge reason to believe that they will be, but, like, that's the path I can see. I mean, that or Jordan Love just goes absolutely nuclear and steps in and it plays <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers, which... I mean, if there's a team in the NFL that I guess right now you can say they probably are bringing in that level of quarterback right now, it might be the Packers given their, their history lately. Mm. But like those are kind of their two, their two avenues is Jordan Love hits the ground running like crazy, or they kind of change the entire identity of their offense and they play a very cold Green Bay snow covered game in you know December. All right, who's the non Mahomes MVP, Craig? This is the MVS redemption game he's coming back he's gonna play in green bay he's gonna show up he's not afraid of playing in the cold he played there for a number of seasons to start his career now he gets to go back home against his old organization and i'm guessing here jair alexander if he's healthy is probably going to follow around Kadarius tony a little bit that's going to put mvs against rasul douglas Maybe Eric Stokes. Who knows? Maybe if he's in the slot a little bit, he might see some Keyshawn Nixon. He's got potential to beat those guys. I like Eric Stokes, but he's still young. And there's still a lot of things that a savvy veteran like MVS getting up for this game can get him with. So I think that this is a game where MVS can show up big. I think it's one where maybe, you know, if the weather's a little bit inclement, playing a little closer to the box on defense. And the Chiefs can take advantage of maybe some deep shots with MVS, who's not scared of playing in the snow. So I'm going MVS. How many times do we think Jair Alexander calls MVS Marquez in the game just to get under his skin? Like, how many times do we think he calls him Marquez? It's got to be a lot, right? Do you like, think he knows his name? Do you think that they've interacted much? Do you think that that's, that's a relationship that they have? 
Yes. Okay. But even if not, it's just I've seen, you know, he doesn't like it when people say Marquez. So he I just not. wonder if Jair Alexander, chirp team captain, is going to call him that a lot. Yeah. Uh, non Mahomes MVP is Travis Kelsey. Uh, we talked about Devondre Campbell not having his best season last year compared to the year before. That's true. But also, he was never the best coverage linebacker. That wasn't his strong suit. They tried to bring in super athlete Quay Walker out of Georgia last year, not necessarily to be only a coverage linebacker, but to add more athleticism to that side of the ball. And, whoo, was not a pretty rookie season for Quay Walker. I know some Packers fans thought he flashed a little bit down the stretch, so maybe he is ready to take another step. I would just wonder if he's not another Georgia off-ball linebacker that benefited from playing behind a great defensive line. That means Travis Kelsey's working on two linebackers. Neither are particularly good at stopping him or stopping you know the pass or anything like that over the middle of the field. I think there's going to be plenty of room for him to find some space. Well, get, take, give me Travis Kelsey here. Surprise. Hmm. Uh, can the Packers stop Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field? I say no quay. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. No way. Like, no way. Shut up. Get it? <laughs> can we move to another team? Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, move to, to another world podcast. World. I traded. Those you have twenty. I would like to only yeah. take my talents to the Miami Heat, please. That's yeah. You know they they could probably use it. Uh, Buffalo Bills time. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the uh, quality of the roster. Craig, I mean it's the second best quality of the roster team in the AFC. I mean it is. It, it's pretty good roster. They got a lot of good receiving options. They've got a superstar quarterback they've got a pretty good running back and they added another decent one to the roster their defense has a lot of guys with a lot of high potential that have the potential of playing ridiculously well I mean it you look at top to bottom there there are a few places that I can kind of pick out a little bit and say ah this could be better you know mostly offensive line style stuff but by and large, I look at this roster and I say, yeah, it, it's got players at every single level that I really like, that I really think could be, you know, top 10-ish to top 15-ish players at their position in the league. And when you have that many guys that are in that conversation, it becomes really hard to sit there and go, okay, well, we'll target this one spot because you can get beat so many other places. That's how good this roster is. 
I am going to push back a little bit, I think. Ooh. I think the Buffalo Bills' overall talent is star- – hey, they've hit the peak. I think they've hit the peak. They might be teetering on it this year. I, I've said it before. I think this is the year the pressure hits. So I don't think they're necessarily worse right now. But I also think they kind of flattened out from the past couple of years because a lot of the guys they've needed to take big steps haven't. They haven't. Gabe Davis didn't become this superstar wide receiver too. Their offensive line, nobody stepped up and become a great starter. They're all fine. Actually, the left side of the line's all fine. The right side's, you know, up and down. Yeah, they added Osiris Torrance in the draft, who could be really good and an improvement over Ryan Bates. But as of right now, that right side of the offensive line is mediocre at best. Defensive side, I think they have a lot of defensive line talent they have drafted early, and none of them are bad players. But are any of them great players? Is Ed Oliver great? Is Gregory Rousseau great? Like, have they hit mm. a home run on any of those guys? Like, that's my question. So, like, I don't know. I feel like they've almost kind of flattened out on this upward trend of talent. And I think this is the final year where we're talking about them maybe being in this first, second, third tier of talent in the AFC because I just I could easily see this kind of starting to drift off, especially if Tredavious White can't return to form from pre-injury, especially if Terrell Bernard can't replace what they lost and uh, Tremaine Edmonds at the linebacker position. Like, I don't know. I I think we might be at the beginning of the cliff. Maybe, maybe. This team also lost three games last year. <laughs> like, this is a really good football team with maybe not necessarily tons of blue chips up and down the roster. They still have plenty. You know, they have... You know, they have uh, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. They've got a Von Miller. Defensively, yeah, Trey Davis White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, one of the best safety duos in football. But this is a very, very talented roster. They have 11 defensive linemen that you're like, oh, okay, that's that's an asset. Like, I'm looking, you know, I like to use our lads a lot of time when I'm looking at depth charts. And, like, this is a deep defensive line that can throw a lot of bodies at you. Matt Milano, I, Matt Milano, another blue chip player as well. Uh, I think he's, I think he's one of the better linebackers in all of football. Uh, I like the roster. I do agree though that there needs to be some steps from some guys. They can't just keep stacking singles and doubles. Even though I think they've done a good job on hitting on depth and hitting on you know quality rotational pieces. They they've got to they've got some have some blue chip step up. They've got to have some guys that do need to take a step. But even if they don't, like, I think they have enough talent and depth on this team to sustain for another year of 13-win type football, if I'm being honest. What's the, what's I have the to clarify, call? too. I don't mean that they're terrible. I, I want to be very clear. I don't mean that I think <laughs> the talent is terrible. It's just I think we are on the cusp of them no longer being in contention for the first, second, third best talent-wise roster in the AFC like they have been the past three years. Because, like I said, I just think they've a lot of guys haven't made that final step. They're all, they're going to be a good team as long as they have the Josh Allen's and you know cycling in veteran defensive guys and Stephon Diggs. Like they have plenty of talent. It's just I don't know if they're going to be competing for you know that top tier after this season because I just they, I haven't seen the growth from some of the young guys. I'll hear after this season. I will hear after that season. That's a, that's a fair argument there. I think I got it. Maddie mentioned Gregory Rousseau because I'm just gonna kind of jump off here i think he's going to take a step this year i like what we've seen from him on that defensive line yeah this defensive line stunk without von miller there but a lot of teams threw 
assets and threw doubles at Gregory Rousseau a lot because he was the guy basically that they needed to take care of with Vaughn back. I think he's going to see less attention. You're going to see him continue to grow into that role. I think that's, there's potential for the young players to step into that role. But yes, I can see it going the other way completely where those young players have plateaued. And if that's the case, yeah, they're old after this season and they do not have the guys to fill in. I think there was a sense of urgency a year before this one. And I mean, Craig, we're talking a little bit about this before the show. It's like they spent a ton of money and they got real aggressive and bringing in a guy like Von Miller because they were trying to compete within the window before Josh Allen gets really, really expensive. Well, they do need all these young guys around them to step up as well. What do you think the quality of this coaching staff is, Craig? I mean, I am a Sean McDermott fan. I I am. I always have been. I really have respected the way that he's gone about things, and he's obviously gotten a lot out of this roster. That being said, there are a lot of pieces that have left on this coaching staff, and it's falling now to Sean McDermott to be almost the sole identity here of this coaching staff. They don't have Brian Dable kicking around. He he went on to bigger and better things. They have moved on from Leslie Frazier this offseason. He is no longer with the team. Sean McDermott looks like he's going to fully take up the mantle with some input from Eric Washington and Al Holcomb. This is a lot of questions now for Sean McDermott specifically. And as much as I like him and as much as I think that he is a good head coach, he's now going to be doing a lot more defensive work and he's now going to have to be managing a lot of the offensive side of the ball with Ken Dorsey being the offensive coordinator. He was last year. That offense was fine. Obviously they went second in the league in points, but how much of that was relying on older schemes, relying on what was already there with Brian Dable. What does Ken Dorsey bring to this and how much does Sean McDermott have to step in? Because it is a lot on his plate all of the sudden over the past two years with the coaches that have been quality that have departed from this roster. I think offensively with Ken Dorsey last year, I think they did show you some signs uh, They you know, they altered, they, you know, varied their run game a little bit more. They did try to rely a little bit more on the run game. They played with a few more heavy personnel packages. Like they did do some stuff that lets me know that Ken Dorsey is seeing the, the shortcomings that this offense does have great offense, but they do have some shortcomings and Ken Dorsey showed me enough to know that he understands them. Do I necessarily trust him week in, week out, and all these high-level games to always have the right answer yet? No, I'm not there yet. And I think Buffalo Bills fans would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's where some of their frustration with him has come over the last year. But I've seen enough to think that he'll be okay long-term. My bigger question is, is Sean McDermott? Like, I'm with Craig. I like, I like what he's done as running a team. I like what he's done defensively in the past. It's just there's been a few more rumblings, you know, going on behind the scenes that he's had input in some of the bigger kind of blunders that that team has made over the past few seasons. Now he's gotten a, a little bit more than just a tiny bit of blame from, you know, fans or people that would be a little bit more than know that follow the team. And now he's taken, not just gotten by, you know, accident, but kind of taken more control over this team top to bottom. If it fails, it's because he failed. And I, I don't think that he's like necessarily likely to, but he's put a lot on his plate right now and a lot has to go wrong, which leads me back to my point. I think they're already teetering. That's a dam that might be ready to break. And when you start putting more pressure on just one guy at the top of that, when it's already starting to break and a ro- roster that maybe hasn't lived up to the hype, that's starting to break. You are on the edge of disaster. 
I am a lot more dubious of Sean McDermott than I was this time last year. Um, there's just too much smoke about little things that keep getting brought up and some reported, some not. You got the issues with, you know, Stefan Diggs, you know, I don't, everyone, you can, you can not make a big deal out of it, but you don't see those kind of things happening very often with, you know, organized groups, organized teams, you know, well-managed teams like that doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't just fly around very often. Those kind of storylines you don't hear everywhere. So my antennas are at least a little bit up. Ken Dorsey. Yes. I do give him a lot of credit for what he did in the run game to kind of, kind of get that going. Did he show too much too early? You know, they did they have enough left in the chamber when it mattered the most? Those are the questions I have. Because yes, they, you know, they there's they they figured some stuff out and you know they they showed some versatility and they mixed some things up. But good teams are able to sustain offense when it matters the most. And there were some inconsistencies. I know it was in the snow, and I know Josh Allen didn't play well, but I mean yeah, they they also I mean they put 34 on Miami, I get it, but that game was kind of weird too. So, uh I don't know. I there's there's enough to kind of to perk my ears about that coaching staff. I'm I and I look, I love I'll just say it right here. We talk a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals. I absolutely adore the Buffalo Bills and I think I love their fr- I love their fans even more. So, uh I want to say something nice about one of the other fan bases out there other than the fraud goals i love the cincinnati or i love the the buffalo bills i love all my friends that cover one and all their great work um new additions craig yeah i i look over this roster and much like the packers this team at least made some moves in free agency but didn't spend a whole lot of money it was to ken's point there they spent a lot of it last year so they had a limited amount of resources roger saffold made a pro bowl for this team last year at left guard And he's gone now, not on the team anymore. They went out and they signed Connor McGovern from Dallas. No, not the one that was playing in Denver, the Dallas one. So (laughs) the Dallas one, (laughs) they invested three years at $22 million in the left guard position, which isn't a ton, especially with some of the other guard contracts that are floating around. But to me, I look at this, and I don't know that they got better. Like, I don't hate Connor McGovern, but to for that to be your big move, that's the big thing that you did this offseason to improve this team, to get better. Yes, I know that they forecast to the future to try and make the past work, but that's not a really awe-inspiring move. And I don't know that it makes their offensive line significantly better if they're better at all. And so I look at that a little bit as a new addition, one of the few that they made that was a quote unquote bigger commitment to a player. And I go, man, that's the one, huh? That's, that's really where you wanted to allocate your money. Who knows? He could prove me wrong, but it just seems like with some of the other spots where they are getting older and they are moving on left guard was one of them. I would have targeted maybe a higher priority position to try and replace. I am going to go with Leonard Floyd, mm. uh pass rusher coming over from the Rams because I, something you said earlier, the defensive line struggled a lot without Von Miller and Von Miller was very good for them. 
Von Miller's getting older and he's had a fair amount of lower body injuries now that have robbed him of a lot of time. And, you know, who am I to question Von Miller? He always looks like he's in great shape, but when does that body start to fall apart a little bit? When does he start to lose maybe a little bit of athleticism? He's never been the biggest defensive end. If you start to take away some of that athleticism, it might be a slight step back or what's, what's the agreement? Like what's the guarantee that he is going to make it through the entire year? So I think bringing in a Leonard Floyd is going to come help to Craig's point earlier teams focused on Gregory Rousseau so much after Von Miller went down because they didn't have another consistent threat. Floyd can take advantage of one-on-ones or at least pull some more attention back his way. So I don't think he's going to be a star for them. I think he's clearly going to be a backup, but I think he gives them some insurance for Von Miller, whether his play doesn't return to form or if he does get injured again. And in worst case scenario, he's just another guy in the rotation that can win a one-on-one on any given play. I'll go with Osiris Torrance. So he got a lot of, I, I know there, some people are really high on Osiris Torrance, like top 15 type in this class. Some people consider him a, a blue chip first round prospect. We had a pretty good grade on him, I think, in the KCSN draft guide, if I remember well. And it was kind of fascinating to see him fall down where he did uh, into the second round to the Buffalo Bills. And I, I don't know if he's like a perfect stylistic fit for them, but he's just such a good football player. I don't know if it matters. Uh, it's kind of like the way Trey Smith maybe got introduced to the Chiefs offensive line. And yeah, he he was a good fit, but you know maybe we wouldn't have considered him the, the type of player that the Chiefs had t- consistently grabbed. Well, Osiris Torrance is a fantastic value in the second round for the Buffalo Bills. And he's a guy that can help kind of shore up that offensive line. You talk about Connor McGovern, maybe there's a chance it's Osiris Torrance over him. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, it's a it's a really quality football player that they got in the second round. Players watch. What do you got, Gregory? I got Matt Milano. Uh, we, when Maddie was running through all the stars on this team, he did not mention Matt Milano and he should have, he absolutely should have. He is a hell of a linebacker and like, he's one of the premier linebackers in the league. He was a first team all pro and a pro bowler last year. I argue he probably should have been that the year before. Um, he's just been playing at a ridiculously high level. When we talk about this defense, A lot of the focus goes on the safeties. A lot of the focus goes on a Trey White. A lot of the focus goes on that defensive line. And they kind of brushed Tremaine Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano kind of under the rug a little bit because who cares about linebackers typically when you're talking about all these impact positions? Because he got lumped together with Tremaine Edmonds, I think that his value has just been decreased significantly. He is such a phenomenal football player both against the run and against the pass. I I think that he's a true tempo setter, one of the few linebackers that you can make an argument to be semi-close to like a Fred Warner in the league right now. He's just really been fantastic. And the fact that we talk about this team and everybody talks about this team and he doesn't get mentioned shows just how underrated he is despite being that great. I'm skipping forward to my non-Mahomes MVP to say I skipped over him because Travis Kelsey eats my man for breakfast, lunch, and dinner when these two teams play. Remember when Matt Milano was billed as the Kelsey stopper? That didn't happen. That's why I didn't mention him. 
can't stop Travis Kelsey with Matt Milano. That's why Travis Kelsey is going to be the nominee. Nobody stops Travis Kelsey. Why are we? Why are we yelling? Off at... The rails of the hey. rundown. The rundown is done. I've closed out of it. It is gone. I am picking Travis Kelsey as the non-Mahomes MVP. Can't you can get back in here? Travis Kelsey turned Matt Milano into a cookie. <laughs> okay, my Bills player to watch. Um, I'm going to try to bring us back from this. I don't know if I can. Um, give me some Dalton Kincaid action. Um, yeah, give me some Dalton Kincaid action. Another rookie <laughs> tight end. They're trying to figure out how to use them. This team is desperately looking for like a reliable slot wide receiver. They had it in Cole Beasley a couple years ago. You know, Khalil Shakir showed some signs to be acceptable there. They brought in Trent Sherfield from Miami, but I don't think either one of those guys are the kind of player that Dalton Kincaid, that they hope he's going to be. So I think getting Kincaid out there alongside Dawson Knox, playing with a little bit heavier personnel and allowing him to work out of the slot and over the middle of the field, I think that that is kind of a guy to keep an eye on for him if he can make that adjustment to the NFL quickly. All right, how does this team beat the Chiefs, Craig? I mean, they play them in the regular season. Like, that, that's how they beat the Chiefs because it doesn't happen in the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen plays well. This talent lives up to what it's doing. Andy Reid goes, hey, we're going to keep some of this close to the vest and we're going to let you guys have this one knowing full well that we're going to get you back in January and February. They've got the talent. They've got the players. They've got the waves and waves of pass rushers that they can throw with this offensive line. They can have Stephon Diggs play really well. Gabe Davis turns into freaking Randy Moss against the Chiefs time and time again. So, I mean, it, it's it's one of those where you can see them step up and value this game so significantly within their season once again that they throw everything they can at a regular season matchup. And what ends up happening? Once again, they'll come out with the win. Everybody will talk them up. It'll be a big deal. And then the Chiefs turn around, and when they face him in January or February, it ends up not mattering. I mean, they beat the Chiefs the same way that they continuously have kind of done in the regular season, right? They teams go toe-to-toe because both quarterbacks are outstanding. The Chiefs are never giving their A++ effort in the regular season versus other contenders. They're tr- not tr- they're not, not trying, right? They're certainly trying to win, but they aren't showing the Buffalo Bills their entire game plan when they're going to see them and, you know, a couple more weeks in the playoffs. So the Bills and the Chiefs trade punches back and forth. Whichever team kind of has the last shot to win the game, you know, probably going to win the game. The Bills might talk themselves up into talk, convince themselves this game means more than it actually does and play with a little bit more heart, a little bit more effort. And that's fine. I don't not saying anything negatively about that. That's just those are some pathways the Bills have to winning that have come to fruition in recent years when these two teams have met in the regular season. And if that happens, there's no need to sweat it as a Chiefs fan. We've done this song and dance numerous times now. Like if the Bills win a close game versus the Chiefs, or even if they beat them comfortably, it's not that big of a cause for concern because they are one of the teams that can go toe-to-toe with your A-minus level Chiefs if they're playing better than that. I think it's like a lot of competing forces in this Bills game. You know, you've got, you know, like typically the Chiefs have played the Bills earlier in the season. So you're getting late season Bills in December, which is a problem because you're getting the late season Bills in December. And this is about that time of year where there's some, maybe some question marks about the offense and some of the other things. Von Miller may be healthy by then. Maybe he won't be. I don't know. Who knows? Um, You're getting probably two teams competing for the one seed. 
you're getting the Chiefs not showing everything that they want against. I mean, it, there's just a lot of competing ideas, you know, and that'll be interesting um, this late in the season. But I mean, yeah, the, the Bills are the most equipped in the AFC to beat the Chiefs. Just period. Sorry, Bengals. Uh, be better. No, you're not. You're not. I'm sorry. not sorry. You're right. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't care. Uh, Craig, who's the Chiefs non-Mahomes MVP? Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Reed. I think we've seen when the Chiefs have given the Buffalo Bills fits in some of these games, they've done it with good game plans, not just from Patrick Mahomes and his performance, but good game plans by Steve Spagnuolo and the ability to kind of have guys in some of Josh Allen's preferred throwing lanes. Tyron Matthew was a key component of that in his time here. Jarius Need has made Josh Allen kind of have to pull the ball down a few times because he's he's been in those spots as well. I think we expect that Justin Reed is going to be taking up a lot more of those roles over the next couple you know weeks and seasons here with the Chiefs. And I think we're going to see that this is going to be one that he wants to get up for. Like, He's talked before. He's talked plenty about these other AFC contenders. He's definitely played against the Buffalo Bills enough times to know this team and know what they bring to the table. I expect a great game out of Justin Reed, maybe a pick, a couple pass defenses, and a touchdown, or not a touchdown, a tackle for loss, in a big performance that helps get the Chiefs over the hump in a regular season game against the Bills. I'm going to go with Drew Tranquil. Another guy in the middle of the field and, you know, a guy that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about it in this particular subject when, it, when we're doing the game previews. But I think this is the kind of game that Drew Tranquil could have a lot of success in because, you know, the, the Bills do love some of these lighter personnel groupings. So this could be a game that Drew Tranquil does see a lot of time. He's got the athleticism to, you know, close out on a Josh Allen in space. And he's got the coverage chops to take stuff away in the middle of the field, too. He's a smart player. He's a talented player lines up uh, he can he can create a lot of disruption in between the numbers and that's an area that you want to disrupt josh allen take away and break up some of his timing get him out of timing just a little bit he's gonna start tucking and running uh that's that's all it takes so uh give me drew tranquil for this that is going to do it for this episode of the kc laboratory thank you all so much for listening for hanging out with us this week we appreciate y'all we'll catch you later thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard you can find all six of our channels covering the chiefs royals sporting kc and the kc current plus ku k-state or mizzou by searching kcsn wherever you listen to podcasts we're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.